All right, good uh, Wednesday. Glad to be with you. Uh, want to talk to you about a couple of different things. Uh, we're probably going to do the show tonight, uh, depending on calls. So let me put a number up here. Uh, 717-906-5319. I'll get you live on the air here. It'll come through to my handy dandy speakerphone and we'll blast you on. We're still working out the technology to allow the video calls through Zoom. Uh, I don't think there's really a trick to that. It's just a question of getting it all set up. Uh, a few more things I'd like to do. Uh, I also figured out how to overlay comments onto the video. So now when some of you get on to the commenting, uh, I'll be able to bring your comment up and highlight it if I want. So if I give you a call out and say, hey, welcome to the air, you know, thanks for watching. And I can pop your comment up. So you want to write crazy stuff, feel free. Uh, obviously, this gets translated into a couple of different formats, including audio only. So I kind of have to maybe describe what we see sometimes for the benefit of our uh, visually challenged listeners. And if you see my eyeballs moving around, it's because I'm watching this big screen and it's tricky to keep the camera front and center uh, while I do it. But I think we're managing it pretty well. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about the election fraud fraud. Now, what do I mean by election fraud fraud? Well, a lot of you guys keep telling me, hey, Carl. There was this huge fraud. I know you were away, you were in jail, you weren't here to see what happened. Um, I think the January 6th committee is gonna show us a little bit about what happened behind the scenes. Uh, but the one thing that I hear that's most fascinating to me is people complaining, oh Carl, you don't understand. Here in Pennsylvania, we went to bed and it changed overnight. So let me tell you the tale of two states. Ohio and Pennsylvania, um, are interesting states because they both have roughly similar demographic makeups in some respects, et cetera. Um, they've both gone both ways, Democrat or Republican in gubernatorial races and in uh, presidential elections in the past. So with that in mind, Ohio counted the absentee and write-in ballots first, and those became instantly available at the beginning of the night. Pennsylvania did the opposite. At the end of the night, they started counting the cast ballots from the day, and then we're adding in the absentee and write-in ballots throughout the night. So Trump shot to an early lead in Pennsylvania, and Biden shot to an early lead in Ohio. Why? Well, the best explanation that's been proffered and seems plausible, and actually seems to be borne out ultimately when you look at the ballots, Donald Trump was telling everybody to go in person and vote. So people who were Donald Trumpites, you know, uh, the MAGA crowd, they went and voted in person on the day of the election. Well, not everybody, not Trump and not a bunch of his advisors and whatnot, because even though a mail-in vote is a terrible thing, and but, you know, for those guys down in the swamp, it's okay for them because they've got to be in the swamp running the show. But, hey, we'll leave that alone for a second. Um, Democrats, on the other hand, were concerned about or claiming to be concerned about COVID and telling everybody, put it down on paper, no need to go to the polling station, just mail it in ahead of time, don't put yourself at risk, that way you won't have to put your mask on, won't have to leave home, won't have to risk COVID. This is all November 2020, right? So with that in mind, if a majority of Trump voters voted in person and a high percentage of Biden voters did not, Ohio and Pennsylvania give us a great breakdown of what happened. 
Ohio shows early mail-in ballots with Biden leading through the course of the evening as they count the ballots that came in after 8 p.m. or whenever their polls close, Biden's lead went down, 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 down. Pennsylvania, the opposite. Early votes were the ones that were counted um, last, whereas votes the day of were counted first. Trump goes up, and then as later mail-in ballots are counted, it goes down, 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 down. Now, why Pennsylvania can't do what Florida does, and it must not be a bad thing for my conservative friends because Rick DeSantis is in charge of it, and when he's not beating up on Disney or uh, 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 otherwise reforming the state, uh, he hasn't bothered to change the election laws because they're pretty happy with it down there, and theirs actually makes sense. As those ballots come in ahead of time, they tabulate them but do not make the totals public. And so on election night, much like Ohio, Florida can say, here's all the votes that came in. We'll add those to the votes that came in during the day. And here's your result. And you don't have to wait until the next morning. And again, I'll go back. A lot of you keep saying, but this was different this time. And I, I told this to Art when I was on WHP recently. Um, it isn't different this time, okay? Uh, yeah, most elections only last a day. Uh, so I can show that here, right? So Josh says, most elections only last a day. Yeah, the elections last a day, but do they um, get counted in a day? And the answer is no. Election results are actually certified usually many days after the election. That's the history of elections. Very few locations are the numbers finally tabulated and all the cross checks dotted off, crossed and countersigned and sent up to the state for certification, okay? That process isn't instantaneous. It just didn't matter most of the time because in the old days, if somebody won a state by five percentage points and the outstanding ballots were 80,000 ballots and the true lead was 200,000 ballots, we know that if we count all 80,000 ballots and the other candidate won all 80,000 ballots, it wouldn't make a difference as to who won. So people are mistaking the fact that elections were previously announced immediately because of the margins of error and where they stood within those margins of error. Um, I hope that's helpful. Uh, so what I would remind you, by the way, you guys want to chime in here, 717-906-5319. Uh, we'll get you live on the air and you can debate. You know, I got all these guys on uh, Facebook, you know, oh, Carl, you know, I'll go one-on-one -on -one with you. I'll debate whatever with you. Uh, in fact, let me just go back in time here. which is that oil is not being refined. Oil is still being produced and pumped. And in fact, uh, the well count is going back up pretty rapidly. The total number of rotary uh, rigs, which I just posted to Facebook the other day, is well up. So with that in mind, I mean, we're over, we have 200 more rotary rigs drilling today than we did a year ago. And the numbers are the highest they've been since before COVID. So. We have lots of oil wells being drilled. We don't have any capacity to refine it into fuel. So the drill baby drill should have been build baby build. But as I told you last time, they haven't built since 1977. Now, I told you guys all that stuff a week ago. Uh, and all the weekend warriors and guys and gals on Facebook who 
don't think I'm right and tell me I'm wrong and it's Biden, uh, haven't thrown any information back at me, nor have they taken up my invitation to call in and explain their side of the story, 717-906-5319. I think it takes one level of courage to post a snarky comment and another level of courage to get on here and debate. I'm not going to call you an idiot. I'm not going to call you a dummy. We'll, We'll have a reasoned, seasoned debate, but bring information and facts. And, and let's talk about what's a duck and what looks like a duck and walks like a duck and talks like a duck is probably a duck. So bring that around to the election issue. Um, as I said, I call it the election fraud fraud. It appears there was an early plan to seize on some of these controversies in states. So I noticed that no one in 2016 on the Republican side said, well, Trump only won by a few votes. Therefore, there must have been some fraud. Uh, no, they gladly accepted that squeaking by in a couple states, Pennsylvania and Michigan, to name a few from 2016. So that's great. Uh, we also note that in 2020, all the people on the undercard ballots, the people who won, who were Republican candidates, who won in states where Trump did not win, none of them seemed to think that they were elected illegitimately by a fraudulent election. They all gladly went up and took their oath of office and said, I'm in, baby. I did it. I won. Um, I guess maybe a couple of them might say, I would have won more, but when people were creating all these fraudulent ballots, they were really clever and they left Trump off many of them, but put me on. Oh, here's our guy. Call from. You're on the air with Carl. Who have I got? Uh, this is Josh. Hey, Josh, how are you? Not bad. I think this thing works pretty well. Um, I think the soundtrack was picked up the last time. I don't listen to my own show because that would be completely narcissistic. So I have to depend on other people to tell me what's going on. <laughs> I think you have a good setup. I appreciate uh, that. pretty well. I appreciate it. So what do you want to say? Shoot off. It's your turn to talk. I've been talking long enough. Well, I mean, there's a lot of hot topics that you already kind of hit on. But once again, it's hard to get a lot of details because I think a lot of times the mainstream media doesn't talk about a lot of things that, until it's six months old. Right. I agree so, with that. And now, now we're at a deficit of like, well, there's new information that's kind of like on the forefront that, you know, that's kind of old news now. You know what I mean? And, and that's what happened in 2020 with the Russia collusion thing, which might not affect it or the outcome of the election at all. But it seemed like it might have been the whole campaign. Right. It would have been useful to know. It would have been useful to know more about Hunter Biden in 2020, right? For instance, uh, that. I mean, I mean it's, apparently it's it's real. It's some facet. I mean, I wasn't a real then. If it's real now. Right, and uh, you know, maybe Tucker Carlson was protecting his friend by not talking more about how real it really was and what he actually knew at the time. Uh, and and the reason I like to throw Tucker under the bus is because I don't like Tucker. Uh, but the other reason I like to throw Tucker under the bus. Go ahead. Bringing that point up, I mean, it wasn't CNN that broke that story. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, it wasn't any of the mainstream, it wasn't Fox that broke that story. They didn't tell them themselves. I mean, <laughs> that, that come out from alternative media and, and people that are interested in how they're being, how the government works and, and what the government's doing on a day-to-day basis. So, Josh, let me, let me tell you what is, yeah, and let me give you an interesting uh, uh, note on that. Um, you know, I watch Fox, right? Everybody believes I watch CNN. For I, I always get a chuckle when people are like, oh, you're watching all that CNN again. I've watched CNN. 
Um, I watch Morning Joe on MSNBC because I find that he spends a lot of time on things I'm interested in as opposed to just straight political commentary, as opposed to Fox and Friends where um, I kind of get a little indigestion sometimes because they're just too overtly rah, rah, rah for whatever they're supposed to be cheerleading at the moment, whether it be Jimmy Dean sausages or some political point. They're always reading off a script on that show. Um, you know, I always like when people are like, oh, well, they had a great recipe on there this morning. I'm like, no, somebody paid a lot of money to have a great recipe on there this morning for a particular product. Everything is scripted, um, which leads me down a completely different rabbit hole. But, but, uh, well, I, I can tell you this, because you just said that. I spoke with a congressman one time. Yeah. And he said exactly that. He said the things that uh, Trey Gowdy says, he's being told to say that. And that's what comes across. Well, and so, I, I can. In, in reality, it's hard to make now. I mean, when you look at the images of people that come across the TV, and you have an actor like McConaughey now trying to, you know, in his movies, it's cool to wield some guns and shoot people, but in uh, mainstream TV, it's horrible, you know, with what happened. And, and it's a tragedy what's going on down there. But the whole the whole thing is, it's, it, there's the, who, are the, who are the, the people with the credibility? I mean, right. who are the elected officials? Because. Once you appoint an actor to do the job, I mean, there's not an elected official there. And <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I, I don't doubt that. That's the the other thing is they all talk off of talking points, right? And they all talk right. off of scripted uh, teleprompters. I always get a chuckle whenever somebody on a teleprompter is making fun of Obama, making fun of Obama or Biden or even Trump for that matter, reading off a teleprompter when they're actually reading their lines about making fun of somebody reading off a teleprompter, off a teleprompter. But that seems to be lost on everybody involved in the, in the audience. Um, but my, my concern is that, that the editorial control of the mainstream media, but I put Fox in the mainstream media and I put talk radio in the mainstream media. So let me give you an example. Today, a guy took a gun and apparently was gonna go try and kill Brett Kavanaugh. At least that's what the information we're being given is, right? Um, I don't hear my friends on the right calling it a false flag operation um, like they did about initially with the, some of the school shooting stuff. Even even with this Texas shooting, I heard some of them automatically on Facebook saying, oh, it looks like another false flag. The Dems are in bad shape. So this is what they're doing um, because that doesn't fit the narrative of what talk radio wants. Instead, they're saying, oh, well, people are whipping these people up into violence and and the rhetoric is what's causing this. And I'm like, wait a minute. You sound just like the Republican guys who or the Democratic guys who were saying that the Republican guys rhetoric whipped up the January 6th people. And it's like they both read from the same script and say the same things when it's convenient for them, uh, which led me yesterday to just do a brief clip online about precedent where I said, listen, people will throw this at you all the time. So if I say that the House committee, which meets tomorrow for their first televised deal, uh, is legitimate and constitutional, some people will say it isn't, but I think I can prove it's legitimate and constitutional. And once I prove that, the people say to me, yeah, but it doesn't follow precedent, Carl. And I'm like, okay, that's great. It doesn't follow precedent. That's important to know, and we should give weight to that. But you're the same guys who said that we shouldn't follow the precedent of Roe v. Wade because it's just wrong. And that's okay, too. My point is precedent is a term which people who want to keep things the way they are often cite. And when it isn't the way we want to keep it, we say precedent doesn't matter anymore or precedent doesn't matter in this instance. So 
both sides will find precedent uh, to be prescient or prescient or or overriding concern when the status quo is what they want. And on the other hand, we'll say that precedent gives way to right and wrong and 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 common morals and higher authority when they don't like the current precedent. Well, it's the same thing with the shootings because what does the Texas shooting have in common with the guy down in uh, uh, DC walking around with a gun and the New York shooter shooting black people because he's a wacky racist, right? All three of those people probably have serious mental health problems and had access to guns. Now, whether the Second Amendment control, you know, whether the Second Amendment controls access and how it controls access, we may never be able to completely keep mental nuts from having access to the guns. But at least we should know well, all three of those, whether it was a conservative doing something that we would disagree with or a person who people are styling as a conservative or maybe the wacky down there in D.C. that people are styling as a liberal really isn't a liberal either. He's just one of these glamour honors, uh, just like the Black Lives Matter struggled with some of the looters who jumped in. And, and they say they're not really our members. They're just people that showed up. And other people say, oh, that's your membership. I think both sides have this problem of these extremists jumping on board uh, of movements, uh, people who shot the abortion doctors back up uh, in the 80s and 90s, and Eric Rudolph, who bombed the Olympic Park, I would hope are not someone that we want to snuggle up with, whether we're for or against abortion. Uh, and they don't represent the community, just the same way Westboro Baptist Church doesn't represent Christians, right? I hope. Uh, maybe some people think that, that they do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so we're getting some agreement here. Amber says 100%. Um, so I'll take that. Um, so Josh, what do you? What else do you want to say? I'm rambling. Well, I mean, we're getting a couple different subjects going, and that's. I know. I'm all over fun, the place. You have. I mean, you have. I mean, if you're going to get back in history, we can look at. You know. Uh, you only get your source of media from particular inputs. So once you hear uh, of a conspiracy theory, it right. originated from somewhere, right? So, and then there's other places that would ignore that because, oh, there's no truth to that. So then that's an input. So you only get so much information from your media sources. Mm -hmm. I think fortunately, because technology over time, Right. It's two double-edged swords, you know, you have the good and the bad, you know, it can be, you know, misused for, for crimes and it can also be uh, a portrayer of truth. So once the, all the facts come out, like, you know, the mainstream media only cuts part of a, a, a clip so they can make the narrative how they want to make it to look. But once you see all of the, the, the story there, then the narrative Changed it and flips the story. You know what I mean? And, and um, let, let, get all the information. let me tell you, let me let you in on a little inside secret, right? I did talk radio uh, on the Clear Channel station for, I used to fill in for Durgan, right? And we had call, callers call in and they were pre screened. So Art would be in the other room screening them and then writing notes on the screen about what this guy wants to say, where he's from, okay? They want you to announce the town where the guy's from because they want the listening audience to. If you're from Carlisle and they're talking to a guy from Carlisle, that increases engagement, right? And then the next guy's from Middletown and that, that 
proves to your audience that you're talking to people from the locale and it excites them, et cetera. Nobody wants to hear what the guy from Des Moines has to say on the Harrisburg station. Um, the other thing, though, is I know what they want to talk about, right? So imagine I'm a talk show host and my name is Rush Limbaugh or Glenn Beck, um, who doesn't just have three calls that, that the producer who's also running the board hastily screened and put up on the screen. Instead, I've got two or three professional call screeners talking to the callers at length, feeling them out, and then writing very elaborate show notes about them. This guy's Bob. He's very angry. He's from Des Moines. He wants to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop, and his specific issue involves this aspect of the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, imagine I have 20 of those on the board in front of me. I can pick... I can seemingly use the callers to make it look like the show is caller driven, but in reality, I'm just painting with a palette of callers and steering it where I want to go based on callers who fit what I already want to say or fit the viewpoint that I already want to push. So to, to bring that down to a simple example, if I have a woman who says Joe Biden is great and I have another woman who says that Joe Biden caused her husband to die in Afghanistan and I don't like Joe Biden, I can pick which caller to put on the air and therefore help shape the narrative through my picks. Well, that's what the media does writ large, right? It picks which voices yeah. to amplify. Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for the, thank you for the insight because a lot of people don't see what's going on and what happens. And when you mentioned Rush Limbaugh and Bob Durgan, there are shows where, and I'm here at a time where there's only a limited amount of time to make a conversation, and right. they have uh, a caller that you know has a limited amount of time because you have advertised and all that other stuff that go in there, uh, limited amount of time to make your point. So it's more, it's rushed, and a lot of times, and people are also uh, near the headlights, a little bit starstruck whenever they actually get that phone call. So oh. it's difficult, you know, for the for the callers and maybe even get all their thoughts across in a conducive way. Well, one of the one one of the one of the like little anecdotes I can give you is a lot of people are shy to use their real name, particularly if they want to say something crazy on the air, you know. So you would hit the, you, there's no way to like let the caller know he's about to go on the air, except say, you hit the button and say, Tom, you're on the air. And when I would hit the button and say, Tom, you're on the air, there'd be dead air, right? And then you say, Tom, you're on the air. And all of a sudden the guy go, oh yeah, 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 me, because his name wasn't Tom. <laughs> he, he didn't know you were calling on him because he almost forgot he used a fake name and it took him his brain a minute to process it. And we used to chuckle about that because it happens a lot. A lot of people don't use their real name. On the other hand, we had some guys who use their real name and call in regularly, and they, I don't want to say they become characters on the show, right? But they, you kind of know, um, like we had Mike from Lebanon who used to call in on the Durgan show. We had Sammy from Carlisle. Um, both of them were reliable callers. Like even when the things, it was a slow news day and nobody wanted to talk about anything, they would usually call in. Mike, because he owned a pizza shop and it was a dead time for him at three o'clock. Uh, and Sammy would stay on hold for an hour at a time without even thinking about it. So um, on the other hand, we could tell if a topic was catching fire with the people by how, um, how many lights were lighting up on the phone bank, if that makes sense. So if you're talking about something, and this is the other thing about decisiveness in media, the reality is engagement's what drives all media and ratings drive all media. So Matthew McConaughey, is loved by the women by the women of the world 
to a T. I don't care what I don't. If I met a woman that said she didn't find him attractive, I, I'm going to say she's not a woman. Okay. Um, because I, I've never known anybody to be more uh, charismatic, right? When it comes to to star power and whatnot. And Fox fell in love with him the other day, even though his message is a little off center from what Fox wants. But then I'm saying, hey, wait a minute, Fox knows what he's going to say because he already said it at the White House and they bring him on. I think Fox is starting to shape the narrative. They're trying to prep the uh, Republican voters out there that we might compromise on gun control so we have a reasonable chance to win some things in November. Um, by the way, Ann says the only voter fraud in PA was Republican voters. So far, those are the only ones they caught so far. I don't disagree with that. Um, so, well, I mean, let's go a little back history on this, this election. In 2020, uh, in tw when did they get? They get the new voting machines in 2018, right? Right. So there now. There's not only just we got Dominion, E and S, uh, Smartmatic, and then the, there's another company in Philadelphia that they have in Delaware County that's different than all those. So I think there's like four different manufacturers of voting machines that were brought in Pennsylvania, right? By Tom Wolf, he spent 380. Million, million dollars to bring those machines in, um, you know, just before all the, well, I mean, we had to have the new election machines and we had to have the ballot boxes. So where'd the ballot boxes come from? Who made the ballot boxes and what was in the ballot box before they put them there? So, then, so well, one, I mean, there's unanswered questions. I mean, and, I don't have the answers. And I'm not, and I'm not going to say all the questions are answered, but one of the things about our system is the, the, in every county, in every jurisdiction, um, observers have the right to be involved and there's a process for it. Um, I find it hard to believe that any massive voter fraud went on and it wasn't, uh, evidence of it wasn't, wasn't available. You have to believe that a hundred thousand Republican lawyers across the country, uh, couldn't get their act together to find some evidence to attach to their affidavits. And people will say they had evidence, but I challenge you to show me actual evidence of voter fraud that anybody brought forward. There's a big reason that the Republican establishment won't challenge it because they want so many seats already. <laughs> so that's contrary, like, oh, well, we want all these seats, but let's challenge it because, oh, well, you know, we'll lose our seats if we challenge it. So like, it's a conflict. And, and, uh, and I kind of hinted at that earlier, right, that the underballot folks, the people who won um, when Trump didn't win, all sw took their right hand and got sworn in and said, I want. I didn't question the ballot, but somehow the ballot, as it applied to another guy, but one of the things that we know is when you go to jurisdictions, they have something called undercounts because you can see how many people voted for certain candidates. And one of the things that happened to Trump was some people simply left blank on their Republican ballot, the president. So you got a, you got a lawnmower there. Um, and some people, <laughs> and, and some people, right, on the other side of the, the, the coin, actually split their vote, went Democratic, very small percentage. You know, they voted for the Republican for the Congress and Senate, but then they voted for Trump for um, a president or, or Biden for president and they split votes. And so when we look at those numbers, it's actually quite plausible that Trump simply did not win because he just ticked off just a few too many people um, in 2020. I mean, frankly, well, I mean, he, he won at one point. He, he won at one point. He beat Hillary in her race. So Correct. The history of winning. And well, but here's the thing. Remember this. 
when you've never been elected before, you've never broken an election promise, right? And when you're elected, the only thing you can do is disappoint people because you'll never do everything you promised. You'll never accomplish everything you promised. And you're on our microscope. He promised health care reform and didn't get it. Failure, right? Um, he promised infrastructure. It never really came into fruition. He promised a tax break and it happened. Um, he promised a trade well, war. that he was trying to offer were circumvented by the Russiagate scandal. Right, right. So, well, but, but, so once you're you know, trying to impeach somebody for some false allegations for months and months, it makes their job become difficult and cover something that's been a Fidelis issue. So you can only handle much in the office, and unfortunately, the, it seems like the U.S. government didn't provide him a lot of legal support to uh, also support the, the office of the presidency equally uh, at that time when he was actually president. And, so, uh, and, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, some type of Russian. And the FBI had evidence, and they were keeping that evidence from the public for this since 2016. The so, the other problem, though, let me. And, and, and I don't just discount that, but let me just say one of his other problems was he never got the Republican establishment on board. So, for instance, John McCain personally deep sixed uh, his health care bill. Right. So yeah. I don't know if that's Russiagate or was that just making fun of a downed pilot and prisoner of war who now had the chance to poke you back in the eye? Um, you know, you what? There's back, I mean, there's back, there's backwater in all this stuff, and it goes, you know, down to Arkansas, and it goes over to, you know, the whole way back to Nixon, and it's been going on for years, and the question is, is that, like, what the taxpayer needs to be supporting with their money, or can that cabal just move along, and we start fresh? Right. And that's what the, the fair, without a fair election process, that's never going to happen, because you're only going to ever going to have an incumbent in office, and you're only going to have an incumbent with funds. And right. a new idea or a fresh person that even might want to go back to the old way doesn't stand a chance. You can't get somebody in that's a fresh face anyhow, because the one thing that the Republicans and the Democrats can agree on is that nobody else but them should be involved in the process, right? Or if you really study the rules well, it, of how to get on a ballot, the lever, right? You I mean, set a lever and it pretty much you would be predicted to guarantee the winner based on whoever was on the predominant lever side. You get the Republican lever, the Democrat lever, because you know more than 35% of the people vote with the lever, and you are automatically going to win just because you got the party's endorsement. And, and that's why there was a big that that was why there's a big defecto from party endorsements in the Republican Party over the last decade. And, people and, are just they're turned off by the idea. Right, and and I can tell you that in my experience, you know, limited as it is, um, that look at how much candidates fight over position on the ballot. Because it turns out that if there's three names in a row, the guy that's first always has a statistical advantage over the guy who's second or third. That should not be true if people simply voted on who they like better, right? But for every election, there's a certain percentage of voters who don't really have a preference. I know, see, some of my friends are very political, right? And some of my uh, Facebook friends are very political. And therefore, they assume that everybody else is very political. So when you go down to the sheets right now, which is just down from my office here in, on Allen Road, right? If you go down to the sheets right now and start asking people who the president of the United States is, I guarantee you we can find a couple who would be like, I don't know, and I don't care. Now, they might know because of gas prices, and that may be starting, you know, that's really going to hurt Biden because that sort of stuff creeps into the psyche. 
But there's a certain percentage of the people down there that Vladimir Putin could take over the United States tomorrow. And as long as their paycheck didn't bounce, they're not going to care. Well, when those people, when those people go in to vote, they sometimes pick the guy and maybe just for one or two elections, you know, where they don't really have a preference. They just go vote for the guy on first one year. So they either hit the party lever because I want to vote for bill for Senate for Republican. So I'll just hit the Republican lever. Or I'll vote for Bill for Republican. I don't understand who these school board people are, but this guy has a cool name, so I'll vote for him. These are the machinations of voting in a in a mass democracy, right? Um, we don't have poll taxes. We don't have intelligence tests to vote. Um, and we don't disenfranchise anybody based on those sorts of things. Uh, and we allow people who are apathetic to, to make choices. On the other hand, for the most part, you're going to get one or two choices, but that's all you're going to get is a couple of main choices on the ballot. And I don't think I'm telling anybody anything they don't know. And it feels like, right, in every election in my adult life, it's not a question of which candidate am I excited to vote for. It's a can- question of which candidate do I feel the least dirty to vote for. Oh, well, I gotta vote for this guy because he's gonna win. I mean, it's always like you're voting for the winner, right. like everything's like gonna be the not necessarily who's the best for the position, but who do you think the public's gonna elect? And you wanna be a, the guy that goes along with the popular consensus. Everybody wants to back a winner, man, right? That's so uh, what I think what we gotta cover is those contributions to these individual campaigns. Okay. And there's all sorts of different contributions that have been made to these different campaigns. And not all of them have been declared as contributions. Right. Oh, dark so, money is everywhere. So, well, the biggest thing is, now, if I make a contribution to a campaign, I'm, uh, and for somebody that's a Pennsylvania candidate, and I live in Pennsylvania, fine. And we can talk about that. But what happens when a foreign government makes a contribution to a campaign? Right, so, like... Like, why isn't that an SEC violation, and why isn't that uh, prosecuted by our government that's you know, in our best interest? Well, we are because prosecuting um, the, Rudy Giuliani's buddies for trying to funnel that ol- Russian oligarch's money into the United States politics. Um, and there was, so the, there's Russian bankers involved, and we talked about Maria Butana. And the same time, uh, again, uh, basically on the thread, I think we might have yeah. briefed briefly, but Maria Butana was a spy. That came over here basically to sleep with the enemy, right. which was the NRA <laughs> chairman, because he has what is the list of the membership. Right. So she successfully gained those informations, and she went about her business after she was released. But first, she didn't have any type of public testimony or public uh, venting period where we were able to challenge why she was here and what part of the bigger operation she was part of when she was here, because she was automatically escorted away because she's very attractive and very valuable to Putin. Correct. So there's a deal that happened there. Okay. Those same deals is just another deal. I mean you have A, B, C, the Uranium One that kicked a lot of it off. Okay, for this much we have much leverage over you now that we can blackmail you to this billions of dollars worth of uranium to get things going. You know? Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Okay. I'm not that old, but I only ever known to pay attention to politics because over time, you, the things that you hear about are often the things that are the things that are most questionable. Correct. Even and, though, and you know, I, you know what I mean? 
I, so in the election cycle, this in the 2020, uh, 2018, you have people making in kind actual form operatives on the ground, right? In Facebook, as a Facebook user, as they're an American, right? To make advertising that would affect the psychological decision process of the American voter. And and that's one of the problems. One of the problems is we like to pretend impossible. It's impossible for an independent candidate or even a third party or an income or a challenger is a Republican to compete with that type of money unless you have a hundred million dollars to compete with the social media that was perfect. Now now there is one interesting counterpoint to that, okay? One interesting counterpoint to that, and that's Michael Bloomberg who blew almost, what, a billion dollars and couldn't hardly get any votes for his money. And, and some people have said that Bloomberg proves the point that you can't just literally buy votes. Um, and I might agree with that. On the other hand, what Bloomberg didn't have was the ability to, to, to glom onto a, a political infrastructure for the party that already existed where the money can be amplified in a lot of ways that you can't with just a straight spend. Um, but I, but I think it's interesting because remember they kept saying like, well, there's no evidence that the advertising by the Russians changed anything. Um, I don't know if there's evidence that it changed anything or it didn't change anything, well, right? Here's what happened. If we're, talk, we're on Facebook and we're using Facebook as a platform and Mark Zuckerberg, he actually came out and let, released a list of, of fake Russian accounts. There were 64 pages with like 50 or 60, 600 different accounts that were fake Russian accounts. One of them being black activists, right. like activists, but black activists. And that was a provocateur account, which was posted in different forums and even targeting coal miners for Trump. Okay, there's a group up there that are coal in Pennsylvania. A couple of our brothers up there that are digging hard in the coal, so we have heat in our house every day. And they're getting tar- targeted by Russian people, and the FBI is covering it up. And so, and they were doing things like uh, sending a, uh, a one group to the corner in Houston for a, a protest. Uh, on one side of a political coin and then organizing an independent protest, you know, half block away, trying to create social unrest. And they, yeah, I, to the LGBTQ, uh, next to the, you know, the other, the yeah. other conservative uh, Trump rally that's going on down the road to try to see what happens. Same thing on the January 6th, this whole thing with January 6th, I mean, it's a sideshow because they needed to bring in the questionability of uh, the election integrity because, the Democrats, it's just like they had to bring in the Russia gate. They had to bring in the January 6th to kind of distract from the fact that there was no integrity. Well, that they can, like, there, is, there is some interesting stuff that's going to come out in the next couple of days because I've been reading and trying to piece together everything. I'm going to try to uh, make sure I comment quite a bit on Facebook, which somebody somebody probably just vomited because I, I comment so much as it is already. Um, but I'm going to try to 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 piece together. But what well, I'm seeing what I'm seeing them show already. Yeah, go ahead. If you aren't here to make wind of it, who, who is? Like, like, I mean, you're a breath of fresh air. I mean, honestly. No, I mean, you have these people get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to try to bring a truthfulness to the public through the airwaves. And what do we got? Depression. I mean, without, I mean, maybe there's only 10 people listening to this show. Right. It doesn't really make a difference because what matters is that the, the mentality of the open, the open government is uh, more valuable than the mentality of the closed government. Well, I got to do I got to do what the YouTubers do, right? 
um, I got to say, make sure you subscribe. So set the alerts. So if you see my feed, it'll Facebook, you know, go in the upper right-hand corner and say you want to get alerts uh, and share this post, you know, post this uh, to your wall or share this live feed. Uh, if people do that, that'll increase our listenership a little bit. Uh, but listen, I'm, I'm just going to grind away at it. And maybe someday a lot of people will listen and maybe it'll just be 10 of us for the rest of my life. I don't care. What, 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 I, what I do want to say is um, we're going to see some interesting stuff because it looks like there was, in fact, a plan to storm the Capitol. Um, some of the messages going back and forth between the Proud Boys, apparently, were talking about, did we change history? And they had some theory. And I'm not saying they were put up to this by any one particular person. But apparently they had some theory that if, if they could prevent the electors from being done on that date, that would reset the whole scenario. It would be an invalid to do it on any other yeah, date. That's a Pelosi thing. Though. That's just like a Pelosi theory. What we have is um, the January 6th is the people – Trump was having his rally before that, but you have the guy in the horn, the horned guy, the guy with the horns on his yeah. head, the guy with the – okay, and that group of people there, those weren't proud boys. Right. right. No, no, I don't say I'm not talking about them. Yeah. Those people were getting paid. Those people were the first people to enter the building. Okay. To start the wave. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand people, if you start pushing all the cows in one direction, they're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you, you do that, so you get these first guys in there to break up, to get the doors open, and the doors were opened automatically. This $20,000 worth of video footage they don't want to release. Um, they open the doors automatically, shoot everybody in, and then, but these guys, people with the horns on, and their buddies, with the weird outfit on, <laughs> uh, looking like Neanderthals, were all the people in the, the building first before anybody else even got there. And they were doing photo ops. And they were doing their thing. Because those are the same guys that were working in all the different rallies all summer long. And you can go back and see that they were doing different rallies and those guys were always there trying to be a publicity stunt because they were getting paid by I don't know who yet. And, and listen, this goes all the way back to back, back when the Iranian hostage crisis was going on. Um, the media would film a crowd chanting death to America. And then as soon as the cameras rolled away, they go back to eating falafel in the street and the carnival would start up again. Um, you know, and labor unions have been doing it for years, busting in people to, to, to stand on picket lines and Republicans through grassroots, uh, you know, the tea party, did a grassroots thing, like grab 10 buddies and have them come to the park with you, you know, to support somebody, but they don't really know why they're there or really care why they're there. But if you can drag some, some manpower. Um, and, and I want to say, I, I want to say something that's important. You can influence things. You know, I had a client one time and she was charged in a homicide case. And I said to my law clerk uh, and one of my other assistants, I need, about 15 people. So make sure their whole family comes. And then I, I told the one law clerk who's a law student, I said, find me four or five law students, have them put suits on and, and uh, get them down here for this hearing. And then I told everybody to meet at this church that was around the corner from where the hearing was going to be. And I got everybody arranged and I staged just into a big group with me and the client in the middle and all these guys and gals in suits surrounding us. And then the family around that and I said, stay really close, right on top of each other. We're going to walk right up the sidewalk in lockstep, turn right into the courtroom, and don't look back. And don't talk to anybody. And later, I was up at the courthouse, and one of the women in the clerk of the court's office said to me, Carl, I didn't realize your client had so much public support. And I said, why do you say that? 
She said, well, because of the picture in the front of the Sentinel. And that was done intentionally. I wanted a picture of her surrounded by lots of people so that the perception was, and you don't usually get that kind of feedback, right? You don't usually get somebody to the smoking gun feedback where they say, hey, I saw it and it had the exact effect you intended. But the reality is that's how it's done. <laughs> and at a national level, it's done at a much bigger level. They have real money. They have real resources. Um, so I am always skeptical of, of, of pageantry, right, on both sides. On the other hand, I've learned that if you have an exciting enough event, the loons will come on their own. You don't even have to invite them. <laughs> and it's only a question of can you co-opt them somehow into serving your side, right? And so... Uh, yeah, like, exactly. Like the Department of State. So we're going back to the election issue because this is what the show is about. This year, the Department of State made massive changes to the election calendar. So that... Once you you know you rob them off the front of the cal- that's the front of the calendar. Right. Well, that's taken away from things at the end of the calendar or the time periods that once you you know uh, normally typically our elections start and uh, revolve around the Tuesday because that's historically what we do on a Tuesday we turn on our petitions on a Tuesday we go to the polls on a Tuesday you know. Well, let me when you have to let me stop you for let me report. let me stop you for a second and, so, and, and give you let me stop you for one second just give you an analogy. I ran in the downtown mile this year in Carlisle, okay? <clears throat> Last year, they did it in August. This year, they did it in May. There were many less people there this year, I'm told, than last year. And I actually ran into a few people who said, oh, I missed it. I thought it was later in the summer. So when they saw the advertising for it to sign up, even though the advertisement said sign up by this date and it happens on this date, right? They didn't read the whole thing because their brain filled in the rhythm that they thought it was, that it's in the, later in the summer. So anytime you move a major event, right, whether it's a sporting well, event or an election event. Jubilee Day is the third Thursday. Everybody knows. Right. Right. And they make plans around that and they make assumptions around that. And so if they move the Jubilee Day to the second Thursday, there will be some guy sitting in traffic somewhere trapped, right? going, what the heck just happened? Because I thought Jubilee Day was on the third Thursday because he would not have paid attention to or found out that it had moved. By the way, if you're from anywhere in the United States besides central Pennsylvania, Jubilee Day is basically a giant street fair in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, um, which is right up there with like what the Grange does in the middle of the state. You know, you, it's, it's a hard to describe event unless you go. It's just sort of a, a Jubilee. Um, so... Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap the show up here. So if there's one, la- but but I understand what you're saying with that, which is by moving around dates, you change the rhythms, you change the participation, and the gamesmanship's been going on for a long time in primaries, like trying to make your primary earlier and earlier so you can have more and more sway. We we also had a second uh, circulation period. Well, mm-hmm. now you have a committee person going out to get a signature once, and the signer just signed, and he's used to sign them once, and then maybe later in the year somebody fresh and independent. But now this year you had the, another person come back and get another signature for the state rep candidate, but not so that the committee person take care of the signatures at once. And there's twice as many people are doing this, or doing the same the mechanism of going out to collect signatures two separate times. So now you're burning twice as much gasoline, you're burning, you're using uh, twice as many resources, twice as many hours, and 
And also, you're stealing, once again, that's time away from the campaign period, which would allow those new candidates that 30 days this time they lost to go out there and make a contract deal with a radio station to spend some money on their campaign or find a supporter that they didn't have this year. Right. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up because we're at 45 plus minutes right now. Um, long story short, I'm going to be watching this January 6th committee. I'm going to try to be fair about what they're leaving out, what they're putting in. We'll see if they have any smoking guns or bombshells that'll change people's minds one way or the other. Um, and we'll go from there. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm going to, so Sunday night. We'll have some of that information. So 8 o'clock Sunday, we'll digest it. And again, make sure, guys, gals, if you're listening to this or you're seeing it later, go on my Facebook page, The Carl Rominger Show, or just Carl Rominger page, whichever one. I don't care. Tell me what you're thinking about some things uh, so I can put that in. And remember to get this number written down, 717-906-5319. You can participate in the show just like my man does here. Uh, and I appreciate you calling in. It makes everything uh, uh, much more exciting. So that was Josh. And Josh, again, thank you. Um, and thanks for listening. Uh, Amber, appreciate it. Uh, guys, Sunday night, we're going to find out what this committee has. We'll, we'll hash it around. We're going to have to go back to guns and gun safety. Uh, we're just going to have to get there because the country's headed there. And we're going to have to talk about that. And again, I'm open to whatever topics you want to talk about. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Carl Rominger's show.